my soul magnifies or my soul glorifies the Lord. And Mary is an interesting figure in church history uh, because different denominations have a different understanding of Mary. Um, in a Catholic tradition, there's a whole lot of things that are understood about Mary or believed about Mary that, that in our church we don't believe. That uh, There's the th- theology or the belief of the Immaculate Conception, that Mary was not only a virgin at the time of Jesus' birth, but remained that way throughout her entire life, which is interesting given all the references to um, Joseph and Mary's children and Jesus' brothers and sisters. Um, there's the belief that Mary became didn't die but was, uh, was taken up to heaven and then was crowned as queen of heaven and she was coronated by Jesus in heaven as the queen of heaven um, and that she's someone we can therefore pray to, that she intercedes to God on our behalf and um, that she remained uh, yeah, a virgin through all her life. We don't believe those things in our church uh, but at the same time, I think because of some of this kind of Catholic Protestant thing, which has largely disappeared now anyway, we've perhaps sidelined Mary. We've missed some wonderful things about her. Let me tell you what I can tell you about Mary. She was a remarkable woman. She was a woman of incredible faith. And she played an incredibly vital role in, obviously, the salvation story um, because she gave birth to Jesus. So I hope that this morning we can learn some great things about Mary. Um, I want to share with you four things uh, about what we learn about living by faith from Mary's story. So if you've got a Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Alternatively, if I turn this on, you can uh, look ahead on the screen and um, we'll go through this passage. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... Uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will be with him. Sorry, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, 
Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, or sang Mary's song, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed uh, mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So as I said, I want to share with you four things that Mary's story tells us about living by faith. But let me give you some context to start with about who Mary was. Mary was, um, was just a... Mary was just a young girl. Uh, it was typical, uh, the, the standard procedure and, and practice, cultural practice at the time is that uh, young girls really would be betrothed to a man in their 13th year. And then uh, they would be essentially engaged, but legally they would be considered married, even though they would still live separate till, from their husband-to-be until puberty set in. And at that time, they would then pretty well immediately be married to their husband and go and begin to live with their husband. Mary was somewhere between 12 and 14 at this point. She was probably a 13-year-old girl. Isn't that remarkable? And uh, one of the interesting things, uh, last year I had the um, privilege to, to go to, um, uh, to Israel and to, to visit Nazareth. And there's a church that's built in Nazareth, the Church of the Annunciation, which is built over the place where they believe the angel uh, encountered and, and met with Mary, built over her house. And um, there's a statue of Mary in, uh, uh, in that, uh, built into that church or, or attached to the church. And it was somewhat controversial when they built it because most of the representations you see of Mary are of a much more older woman. You see a, a statue of Mary, a picture of Mary. It doesn't look like a young girl. And so they actually built... Um, this was the statue they made of Mary, just a young girl. And it was controversial, but it was actually accurate. It represents, and, and you look at that, it's a really beautiful statue to see, just this young girl with her hands open, receiving uh, the word from God. And, she, uh, and then that's deep down underneath this church is this little room which they believe to be the house where Mary lived, where the angel visited her, and people would file past there and spend time there. Uh, praying and um, they believe that and she lived of course in the town of Nazareth Nazareth is in the Galilee in the north of Israel it is about as far as you get from Jerusalem Jerusalem is the spiritual the political the economic hub of Israel it is the place where the temple was located and about as far as you go away from there into the countryside is Nazareth and um, 
And she was betrothed to a man named Joseph, who was, uh, was, well, we say a carpenter. He was actually, in the Greek word, a tecton, which meant a builder. Um, it was more likely that he worked with stone than wood, though he probably worked with both. And so Jesus probably was actually a stonemason, a stone builder, more than a carpenter. Just a historical difference there between uh, what the Bible says and what we often talk about. Um, but that's what he, he did. They were probably not... Uh, they were certainly not wealthy people. They were certainly not significant people. They were people, probably working class people. And if we're going to put it into an Australian context, name a, name a South Australian country town for me, someone. Oh, there's stairs 15. What have we got? Yakandanda. Is that a straight? Yakandanda. Okay, I've never heard of that. Uh, Yakandanda. So this... Can we say another one? Um, A country town? Come on. Lamaru. That's perfect. Lamaru. This is, uh, this is Mary of Lamaru, and she is the son of the local Brickies labourer. And she's betrothed to be, she's the daughter of the local Brickies labourer. She's betrothed to the son of the local plumber. She's 13 years of age. And the angel comes to her and says, You are going to be the one who gives birth miraculously to a child who will become the king and will reign on David's throne forever. That's pretty phenomenal. We often miss that, I think, at Christmas. We, we just miss that. So that is Mary. So before we get to, um, let me uh, start to now think about what this scripture tells us. And the, the first thing I want to say is this, God shows up when we least expect it. If you know uh, in the scriptures, God has been silent for a long time before the angel comes and speaks to Mary. And so God shows up after 400 years of being silent to everyone in Israel. We live in a time when we, if we struggle to sense God's presence or perhaps hear God's voice, some of us would be worried after a four weeks or four months or four years. 400 years have passed of God being essentially silent to the people of Israel since God last spoke through the prophet Malachi. And they've been waiting and they've been wondering and they're an occupied people and they're thinking, where is God? What is God going to, when is he going to speak? When is he going to act? And he shows up when we least expect it, in the, in the, where, where we least expect it to happen, to the person we least expect it to happen to. That is, there's something about God in this story that is repeated over and over. When we least expect it, where we least expect it, and how we least expect it, God turns up. He turns up to a relatively poor, insignificant teenage girl living in a small town in a backward part of Israel in Nazareth. You know, the stories that have most encouraged me this year in the life of our church is where God has shown up when I have least expected it. We have got some amazing stories that we can celebrate as a church of God showing up, not where we have planned things, but where things have just happened. I think Jada snuck in late. Where's Jada? She's, yeah, there she is. She's getting baptized tonight. It's a wonderful story. You sh if you want to be encouraged, come along tonight and hear Jada's testimony. It's a testimony of God doing amazing work in her life. And uh, I won't steal your testimony, but just to say that Jada came to church in May this year for the first time to our church. And she'd been searching for meaning. She'd been searching for something that is true for a long, long time. And she came into this church and God met her. God showed up and God saved her. And now 
She is a woman of great faith and maturity of faith and so alive in her faith. And it is so exciting that tonight she's going to get baptized. God showed up when we least expected it and, and just worked so powerfully, so quickly in her life. There's a story that I can share with you of someone who is attending Verdun and is going to be baptized soon in that church. She arrived at church and, and they spoke to her and said, you know, it's your first time here, what, what's brought you here? She said, just a couple of nights ago, I had a dream. This is someone totally non-Christian, never been to church. She said, I had a dream. She told the story and in that dream, Jesus turned up to her in the dream. She said, I thought I'd better come to church to find out what this is about. She has come to faith and is going to be baptised this year. Third story, which I share with you, and I'm not sure he's here this morning, is about a young lad we were running, uh, a group we were running, Alpha, this year, and they uh, saw a young man out in the car park. The young man had been going for a drive in the Adelaide Hills, taking some photographs, doing photography, and he'd always wanted to look inside a church, but had never looked inside a church, and he drove past and saw our sign and drove into the car park. Because we're a great church if you want to see what a church is really. A really beautiful church. So they saw him out there. They were doing Alpha. So they invited him in. And they invited him to stay for tea and then for the session. And he stayed on. He said, I've got a, a party I'm meant to be at. Um, but he stayed and, and, and sort of missed the party, which was actually his birthday party. He's <laughs> a young uh, Indian international student from, uh, from a Hindu background. He's been coming to church every single Sunday night. I didn't really know what God is doing uh, and where he's at, but he came to the working bee last week and changed a lot of light globes for us, so that was pretty good. Um, God is at work in his life. In some miraculous way, God is showing up when we least expected to people we least expect in ways we least expect. And God has done that throughout history, and that's exactly what he did with Mary. Second thing I want to share with you is, is this, that faith, uh, the heart of faith is trusting God in uncertainty. This is coming out of her song now. Three points I want to bring out of her song. Trusting God is, uh, the heart of faith is trusting God in uncertainty. I was trying to identify with Mary and I found it a little hard. Some people in the Bible I find I can really identify with. Like, you know, Paul on his missionary trips, I identify with that. A man on mission serving God, I can, I can connect with that. Guys like Peter who, who are bold and then sometimes make mistakes and all of that, I can identify with that. I was trying to identify with Mary, you know, teenage girl, I've never been a teenage girl, never been pregnant, uh, you know, never had an angel appear to me. So I'm trying to connect. So I, I ended up speaking with, with Jenny Moyle and I said, what, what do you think about this story? She said, this is a miracle, this story. I said, yeah, I know, it's a, it is a miracle. Like the, the angel, you know, the spirit comes and, and it's his conception uh, to a virgin. She said, no, no, the miracle in this story is the faith of Mary. She said, it's, just, it's a miracle. Mary's response is miraculous. Her response is to say, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. In me, may your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. And then she sings, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary hears this, meets the angel, and gets this incredible prophetic revelation given to her 
But how much uncertainty does she have? I mean, she doesn't know how this is going to play out. She doesn't know what this is going to look like. She doesn't know what she's going to have to deal with. What she does know is this is going to cause complications. Because a young unmarried woman, a woman who's betrothed but not yet formally married to her husband, who's got a baby bump, is going to be potentially in a lot of trouble in her community. You know, this is probably partly why she heads off to Elizabeth's house to spend months away because uh, to be pregnant while betrothed but not yet formally married, well, that's, I mean, potentially, technically, that could be something that could be punishable by stoning to death. And yet she just rejoices because she has this incredible faith despite the uncertainty to come. And it it, it sparks me that... um, All those who choose to follow Jesus need to know that the heart of faith is trusting God in uncertainty. Jesus turns up to his disciples and says, come follow me to a couple of guys fishing. And it says immediately they left their nets and followed him. They didn't say, where are we going? Who's going to pay the bills? How is this going to work out? They just left their nets and off they went. He turned up to a tax collector's booth. And he's got all his money around and his receipts and his bills and he's sitting there billing people probably beside the road. He says, come and follow me. What does Matthew say? Okay, let's go. He gets up and leaves it all and follows. And everyone who wants to follow after Jesus, if we want to truly follow after Jesus, we need to remind ourselves that the heart of faith is trusting God in uncertainty. God God, God just says, come and follow me. And, and the next step will be revealed one step at a time. And you're probably not going to see more than two steps ahead. You'd be lucky if I show you one step ahead. You're not going to know what the journey's like. But I call you to follow me. Before Jesus called those disciples, he called Mary and said, this is what's going to happen. And Mary just said, may what you have said be fulfilled. I'm your, I'm your servant. Let it be as you have said. Through it all, Mary trusts she doesn't understand but she trusts in him the heart of faith is trusting God in uncertainty I don't know what uncertainty you are facing in your life right now but I would suggest that across this room most of us face some uncertainty many of us serious levels of uncertainty we might face uncertainty about our work we might face a financial uncertainty We might face uncertainty about our family, our children, about our health. And there's just so much going on in life that we don't know about. And I just want to to encourage you to take a lead and take heart from this amazing woman, Mary, who just as a young girl displays an incredible faith and understands that faith is trusting God in uncertainty. She just says, well, I'm going to trust you. Let it be as you have said. Secondly, uh, third point I want to say is this. Um, um, The heart of faith is um, trusting God in uncertainty, but it's not just all uncertainty. Faith is living in the certainty of God's mercy and care. Have a look here at uh, what follows her words in verse uh, 50. Um, In fact, no, verse 48. She says, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the 
Mighty one has done great things. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary identifies something that is true about God, not just in this moment, but from generation to generation and continues that, that we actually have certainty about things of faith, that we can be always certain of God's mercy. And just as God is mindful of Mary and knows her circumstance, I can promise you something this morning. God is mindful of you and your circumstance. Isn't that true? It's always true. Whatever your circumstance, God is mindful of your circumstance. You have uncertainty in your life, but there is certainty that you can hold on to. The hope that we have through Jesus is a sure and certain hope. The promises of God are trustworthy yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. Life throws at us uncertainty, but God is always merciful, and God is always mindful, and God always cares. Last point I want to make is this, um, that faith, is, uh, faith, identity, and purpose. This is the last thing we see in Mary's story. Identity and purpose comes from finding your place in God's story. Now, here's the deal. These days, many people are out to find themselves, right? It's a big thing. We are just talking about this this week. People are out to find themselves, had a conversation about people who are, are, are um, uh, I'll tell the story. There's a, a walk you can do in France and through Spain called the Camino. Does anyone know this? A lot of people heard of this. And uh, you walk a, an ancient pilgrim trail to an old church. And tens of thousands of people do this every year. And I was talking with, uh, with Judy who had done this walk. And, and, and people on that walk are often saying, why are you walking the the Camino. And the answer that so many people gave, Judy shared with me, was that they said, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to find meaning. I'm trying to understand life. I'm trying to find myself. You know, the sad thing about that is that so many people try and find themselves these days, but God has no part in that. They're trying to find themselves absent of God, and so they struggle to truly find themselves. Or what they find or what they conclude is something far less than their true identity or their true purpose in life. But we can make an equal mistake as Christian or almost equally bad mistake in that we can find ourselves by trying to find God in our story. We can actually try to bring God into our situation and our story, but actually there's something that Mary does which is far greater in this scripture is that she actually tries to, uh, she finds meaning and identity by finding her place in God's story. You see, the second half of this song is really interesting because Mary stops referring to her pregnancy at all. In fact, she stops referring to herself at all. She starts referring to stuff that's, that's far bigger. She says, uh, going in verse 51, he says, she says, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. You think, well, what's this got to do with what the angels just told her? And she says he's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. And then she starts referring to Israel and its story. He has helped his, uh, his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. She starts talking about this whole grand story of Israel and God's 
how God has been with Israel through Abraham and through the generations. She's tapping into the whole story of history. Now, what's this about? What's going on here? The answer is, she is recognising that what God is doing is that He's bringing her into the grand story of history, the whole story of Israel. She's actually being born in and she's going to play a part in the grand story. So her true identity and her true purpose is being found because she's recognising she has a place to play in God's story. Not just that God is going to play a part in her story. And I want to remind you that if you want to understand your true identity and your true purpose, you need to realize that you have a part to play in God's great story. It's not just that God has a part to play in your story. Because your story, my story, is just this small blip in history, right? You know, even my ministry in this church is a ministry that that before me there were pastors and, and after me there were pastors and before me this church had a history and after me this church had a history and, and I just come in and, and my goal is to be, to be faithful and if I'm going to really understand it, um, it's not about me. It, it's actually about I've just got to be faithful in my season here and then someone else will come and, and we've got to be faithful to what we're called to and so I'm a little part in God's big story in this church, which is part of God's bigger story in this area of the hills, which is part of God's bigger story in the nation of Australia, which is part of God's bigger story in the whole world through all of history. I've got one little part to play in it. I've got to be faithful to that. But I've got to remember, and, but what an incredible thing, that you and I, all of us, get to be part of the big story of what God is doing through all of human history. His salvation story. We're brought into it with a small part to play. Mary finds her true identity and purpose, not by bringing God in, but by recognising she has been brought into what God is doing. What can I say in response to all of this? I'm going to ask the band to come up and I'm going to finish. Well, I'm going to go right back to the start of her song. Mary says these words, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. As we come into the Christmas season, we can go through the motions. We can sing the songs without a whole lot of joy in our hearts. We can remember the story as cute as it is without it really impacting our lives. Or we can recognise that firstly, God is with us in uncertainty. Secondly, that today and tomorrow, uh, God is going to show up in ways we least expect and God is at work in our church and God is at work in our nation and God is going to continue to be at work. And thirdly, we can remember that in the uncertainty, God's mercy and God's grace and God's care for us is always there. And then if we allow this story to just reach into our hearts and we recognize we've got this part to play in God's big story, then surely our response is going to be, I want to glorify the Lord. I want to magnify the Lord and I'm going to rejoice in God. We have reason to rejoice, don't we? We have great reason to celebrate and to rejoice. And what a what a wonderful thing it is to just say, hey, in my soul, my deepest 
deepest sense of who I am, I am going to magnify God. I am going to glorify God. This Christmas, may you not go through the motions, but may you, in your heart, in the deepest place, glorify God, celebrate His goodness, and remember the Saviour. And remember Mary, who was an incredible woman, who gave birth to the one who came into the world to save all of us who put our faith in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, as we think about it, as we explore it, are amazed at the way you work through this young woman. We're, we're amazed at her faith and her courage. And we are, uh, I hope, inspired to just want to rejoice because of your goodness to us and to magnify you in our lives. And I pray for every person here that in the uncertainty of life, we may know the certainty of your promises. We may not seek to just bring you into our life, but we might indeed find our place, identity and purpose in, uh, in the fact that we're part of your great story. And may we worship you in spirit and in truth, because you are worthy of our praise and adoration this Christmas and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.